The scripture reading this morning is from Acts chapter 16, verses 1 through 15. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered their decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony of the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath, we went out of the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Detours, from time to time, that we all experience them, don't we? Driving our car, riding a bicycle, hiking a trail. We're traveling along the path we expected to take, and then all of a sudden, there's a sign saying it's closed. And that sign, usually, with the detour sign, redirects our paths into unexpected places. A detour may be caused by a number of things. It could be planned construction. It could be an unplanned accident. It might be deterioration brought on by the elements. And so the road or the trail isn't safe for passage. Or in the case of a recent personal experience I had cycling at a high mountain resort, The cause of the detour might be a family of berry-picking bears who have taken up residence on the path. In all of these cases, detours stop us in our tracks and force us to adapt if we are to move forward on the journey. Detour signs point the way and often take us into new territory, territory that is off our mental maps. The first detour sign informs us that we're in for a change, but it's usually a harbinger 
or a predictor of more detour signs to come. Have you ever been on a detour and lost sight of the signs on that detour? That is a fun one, isn't it? You not only are off your mental map, you've lost sight of the signs. Where are you? And where is the way forward? It can be interesting at times. I'm sure after worship, you can share with each other over a cup of coffee some of your more hilarious stories, at least in retrospect, of getting lost on detours. Surely one helpful life hack when it comes to detours is this. Pay attention to the signs. There's a lot at stake in noticing the signs and following the path from one sign to the next. That's literally speaking. But figuratively speaking, detours emerge in our lives in a variety of ways and in countless situations. Think of how many challenges you've faced in life that were unintended or unanticipated. They came as a surprise. And each one came with it, came with an invitation to keep moving forward on the journey, but in a different way. Recently, we've all experienced a huge detour in the form of the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, think about COVID-19, think back to, was it, is it really almost three years ago? Or it's right around three years ago now, right? Um, during that time, it was like we were just cruising along in church life, in our work lives, in our school lives, in all of life. And then all of a sudden, there was a road close sign that came up on our path and a detour. A detour into a lot of virtual life. And, of course, we experienced a lot of interesting things. And, you know, one of the things in our worship life that we still carry with us on that detour that we might not have done, if not, is looking back and seeing that we have live stream worship. People can worship with us from a remote location, and we're still doing that, even though we can fully worship back in this physical location. And that's an adaptation. It's an adaptive move that came with a detour. I'm enjoying hearing all of the, the reports from the travel that members of our congregation have been able to do, travel that was intended to take place initially during COVID-19. But because there was a detour, it was detoured to a later date. Now, as I was writing this, I was thinking about all the people I know who have taken the journeys that they were supposed to take. But then I had to think, oh, in my own family, there were journeys that were supposed to be made with family members and also a child of mine who was, was in college and wanted to do a college uh, trip uh, with her college. Of course, now she's out of college, and that trip never happened. So it's possible that we were detoured in another way entirely. And some of us got to know, rather than places far away, got to know places nearby. And to do that while masked. Not only do we experience detours in our personal lives, but also in congregational lives. And the story of this congregation is no different. North Creek Presbyterian Church has a distinct story of being rooted in being planted as a congregation 40 years ago 
in a community that was about to grow. And grow it did, along with the ministry and the people, the membership, and the facility of the congregation. Along the way, there was meaningful ministry that seemed like it would go on forever just this way. And yet we've experienced our fair share of detours, haven't we? Unanticipated. The ministries that we thought might last forever, we aren't currently doing those anymore. We might be doing something different to pursue our core mission. Behind the scenes, so to speak, of this sermon series, this is the last Sunday of this particular sermon series, has been the journey that we are on as a congregation. We are at a time where we're reconsidering our life together and our path forward. We are reassessing our purpose and our mission as a congregation and talking more specifically about what now? From where we are right now, how do we move forward in obedience to God in mission? Well, on the brink of this new season of meaningful ministry, we pause to consider that God, yes, is leading us by the plans that we make, but also by the detours that God introduces that change our plans. And that may be a challenging thought to those of us who really like to plan and stick to a plan. But we see from the very beginning in the early church that that this happens. In the first century church, documented by Luke in the book of Acts, we explore today a scene in which God's servants had a plan. And that plan was detoured by someone. And that someone was Jesus. This scene was actually the inspiration for the entire series that we've been on. In a sense, we've been following a hypothesis. This scene is the quintessential detour scene in the book of Acts that shows us how God can let us know that God wants us to go in a different direction than we planned. But the hypothesis, or the hunch, if you will, was I wonder if that's been going on in the church all along since the very beginning. And I think what we found is that that hunch was right on. Divinely directed adaptation. This scene is one in a long line of adaptive acts by which the Holy Spirit moves the church forward. So let's talk about first the closed road. That's something we encounter in this text. Paul and his companions were on their way, moving forward with their mission and their message. And yet we learn that the Holy Spirit put up at least two road closed signs in front of them. So, verses 6 through 8 of Acts 16. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So right off the bat, they're, they're doing their ministry in a certain place, acknowledging that the Holy Spirit has already told them no once. But we're not done. When they came to the border of Mysia, 
they tried to enter Bithynia. Seemed a good idea, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Does it strike you as odd that the Holy Spirit, the one who Jesus spoke about as the helper, is acting somewhat as an antagonist to the best laid plans of the apostles? Wait a minute. This isn't the way it's supposed to work out. Isn't the Holy Spirit there just to baptize our best laid plans and make them work? Well, those of us who have been walking on this journey for a while have learned that, no, in fact, that's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit is there to accomplish God's will among us. And in order to get us to be on track with God's will, the Holy Spirit needs to direct us. And sometimes that means turning us from the path that we're on onto a new path. Now, we don't know in this context what the exact factors were in the Holy Spirit in this one instance, and then uh, by testimony of the apostles, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, um, why they were uh, turned away. But it could have involved external factors, like maybe they were turned away at the border. That can happen. And they maybe were not given entry into one of these places. Maybe the persecution factor was so high they couldn't even get a foothold there. We don't know if it's that, that they saw, in that they saw a sign that Jesus was saying, not here. It could have just been a sense of Jesus speaking to them. Maybe it was a revelation that happened at a time of prayer. But whatever the circumstances, it's clear that Paul and the other apostles traveling with him interpreted this as a road-closed sign that was put there by the Holy Spirit. How does it feel to be stopped by God and redirected? It can be disorienting, can it? A little bit like you find yourself in a house of mirrors. Do you remember the house of mirrors? I'm not sure I've ever actually been in one, but I've seen one in movies. It used to be the, the, the kind of a mainstay of like carnivals and fairs. You would go into a room, and, and it would be filled with mirrors, and it would be like a maze. You had to find your way out, but it looked like every wall, every surface was mirrored up, so it was hard to find your way through it. And just about the time that you thought you found your way, you would run smack into a mirror and realize that was not the way to go. Some of you uh, might be familiar with a contemporary take on this in the Marvel character Doctor Strange. So in the most recent Doctor Strange Marvel movie, in the multiverse of madness, I don't know about you, but... It's starting to get ridiculous with all the mirrors and all of the different dimensions. I kind of got motion sickness. Did you? Like when you're watching that movie, it's just reality is shifting all the time. Where are you at any given time? You don't know. And mirrors are used and portals into different dimensions are used. Well, for a whole new generation, that is their vision of a house of mirrors. Being in a place where you have a hard time getting your bearings. It's disorienting. Paths you think are the right ones turn out to be dead ends. 
In the midst of the disorientation of roads that are closed, we need discerning hearts. Hearts that seek the guidance of Jesus through the Holy Spirit and are willing to listen and answer accordingly. Well, let's follow along and learn more about the detour. Detours involve not only a disorienting stop or end to something, but often a new beginning, a new direction. We quickly learn that Jesus likely had something in mind all along. But in real time, we do realize as we're reading this that the apostles, Jesus didn't come to the apostles and say, hey, I want you to go here. And so all these things that are about to happen to you that you're going to wonder about, you know why that's happening. It happens more organically, where they got the road closed sign first, and then it was like, hmm, Jesus, what are you doing here? And they started to explore, and then it was revealed to them. A new vision emerges, one that the apostles conclude is the very call of God. Verses 9 and 10. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding, this is important here, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. That means the people in Macedonia. So they interpreted this dream to be God's call to preach the gospel to them. They hadn't planned on going to Macedonia. By the way, this is also when the... The story shifts a bit, and Luke starts, we believe, that uh, because it's in the, the uh, it includes the, the narrator in the story, that Luke is one of the people who are traveling with the Apostle Paul at this time. So they conclude that God had called them to preach the gospel. The detour results in a new direction that serves a purpose among a particular people. The new direction allows the church to serve a particular purpose among a particular people. Come over to Macedonia and help us. So the particular people here in this new direction are those in Macedonia. Now this is a big leap. All the places that have been mentioned so far are in Asia, technically. Just like the Holy Land is in Asia. But there's something about Macedonia, and Macedonia, this part of Macedonia is included in modern-day Greece. And uh, it is, you make a big leap, basically from Turkey to Greece here. And in that leap, you leap into a new continent, a new horizon. You're in Europe now, basically. It's a quantum leap that opened up a whole new world to God's plans. To the gospel. Now, the particular purpose in this new direction is to help the Macedonians by preaching the gospel to them. Help always has to do with meeting needs. Meeting needs. According to the author Frederick Beekner, this is one important aspect of the concept of vocation the work a person is called to by God. He writes this, By and large, a good rule for finding out your vocation is this. The kind of work that God usually calls you to do 
is the kind of work, A, that you need to do, and B, that the world needs to have done. Now, when Beekner first wrote this in his book, Wishful Thinking, he, he included some for instances that, that if you have one and not the other, it doesn't quite work. Um, like, for instance, if you, if you really need to do something, but the world doesn't need that, people don't need that, then it's maybe not a vocation. Um, it, or it might be something that you don't really have a sense of calling for, a personal sense of doing it, but other people need it. Then that may not be a calling for you. So vocation, our calling, and this is what the apostles concluded, that God had called them to preach the gospel in Macedonia. They were discerning their vocation, their God-given call in helping the people of Macedonia. Now, when we talk about helping people who have needs, it's important to reflect on a lesson that, that we've learned here in this church and many other churches through the writing of authors Steve Corbett and Brian Fickert. They wrote the modern mission classic, Helping Without Hurting. And they remind us that when it comes to responding to needs, special care needs to be taken that we aren't doing it to meet our own needs rather than the needs of others. We were reminded when we uh, had held the Poverty 101 workshop last June, right here at this church, and uh, the staff at Everett Gospel Mission was trying to help us understand what it meant to reach out and help people who had needs related to material poverty. And one of the first things they shared with us to all the do-gooders in the church is this. Make sure you're doing it for them, not for you, just so you'll feel better. Right? Getting clear about whose needs are being met is really, really important. Now, the apostles then as now see an invitation to help to also be an invitation to share the gospel because they know something. They know that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, is what the people of Macedonia need. They need the love of Christ. And it's also something that the church can offer to the world that the world doesn't give in other forms, from other different organizations in the community, if you will. It's something uniquely given to the church to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to our community. It's help that meets our deepest needs. Well, if we are to live out our God-directed vocation of helping others, we need not only discerning hearts, we also need faith-filled hearts that pay attention to the signs and then courageously follow in the new direction, serving a particular purpose among a particular people. Before we finish this sermon, we have to mention what happened in Macedonia in the first place of note that is mentioned in the text, and that is in the town, or the city rather, of Philippi. One of the delightful surprises in this story is that while the dream was of a man from Macedonia, the first person they meet is a woman. 
This part of the book of Acts is like the story version of the Apostle Paul's famous words in Galatians 3.28. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. We've been talking about that over the last few weeks. Neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Lydia is a powerful, and the text shares with us, persuasive woman who responds to the gospel with a heart that has been opened by the Lord. God not only directed them through this detour, but God opens the hearts of people and a meaningful impact is made. The text says that the apostles, it was on the Sabbath and they went outside the city gate to the river. They expected to find a synagogue there, likely because the synagogue uh, wasn't, uh, they weren't allowed to worship within the city. It could have been that there wasn't a formal synagogue because the rules required there had to be at least 10 men in order to constitute a formal synagogue. And if there were only women who were followers of, of uh, the, the Hebrew way in that town, then they wouldn't have a place to meet. And so they'd meet down by the river. Lydia, dealer in purple cloth, a businesswoman, who speaks of her household and brings the gospel to that, her household and actually provides hospitality to Paul and his companions on the way. What a powerful person that the mission of the church encounters. And she becomes part of that mission. As each of us follows God's call in our lives, as each, each of us participates in the work of God among us in the church, we can expect God to open hearts. The Holy Spirit opens hearts to the message of Jesus, leads us to the people who would respond similar to the way Lydia did. Now, does it make a difference to you to know that when we talk about outreach, that God is the one who is going to open people's hearts to that? It should come as a great relief. God does the heavy lifting in any outreach effort. God's the one who accomplishes it. In fact, we believe that God is already at work, just as God was already at work in Philippi before the apostles arrived. If you think that this is great news, I even have better news for you. We're going to go back to the, the book by Corbett and Fickert called Helping, or When Helping Hurts, about the principle of helping without hurting. They offer an alternative way of moving into mission that not only talks about people's needs and formulates kind of an us versus them that we can easily fall into. They encourage us to appreciate the assets of the people that we are going to meet there. Yes, there are needs, but there are also assets in the form of people with particular capacities and strengths. When the apostles meet Lydia, her strengths are appreciated. Never once do the apostles see Lydia and say, oh, you're a woman, therefore you can't help us. Oh, you're a business leader? Oh, but you can't help us. No, everything about Lydia is appreciated by the apostles and used by God. She has strengths. She's recognized for her skill and her reputation in the community. 
She and the synagogue of women by the river were assets that helped move the mission forward. So when we move out in mission, and this is uh, maybe a subtle emphasis, but could make all the difference. It really matters who we imagine we'll meet as we reach out. You see, each one of us, each one of us was once one of those people who was met and brought into the church in some way. God has people in store to be part of this community of faith. And there are people with capacities and strengths and gifts and calling. So we might wonder, oh, we're getting older as a church. Maybe we don't have as many people in worship. Where are all these servants? If we're going to continue to reach out with the gospel to the community, where are these servants going to come from? Out there. That's the way the church has always worked. The church in the early church, in the first century, the church was never just static, the people within the walls of the church. It was always the people who were in the church and those who were being reached by the church. I mean, after all, the Apostle Paul, just a few weeks ago we talked about, was not in the church. And he's leading the whole thing. I wonder who God has already picked to come and help lead our mission here at North Creek. In conclusion, the story of the church is always about adaptive moves. It's the story of Jesus working through the Holy Spirit to guide changes to move his mission forward. It's also the story of the Holy Spirit moving ahead of us and opening hearts to the most important message. As we move forward in ministry, I invite you to pray. If you pray daily, I invite you to expand your daily prayers to include praying with a vision in mind. Praying for God to give you a vision of who God is calling us to reach out to as a congregation. They might be nameless faces that you see at the grocery store. They might be neighbors who you live around. They might be families who your children go to school with. The possibilities are limitless. But if we pray for God to give us that vision of who he's calling us to reach out to, I just wonder, I just wonder what new territories, what new horizons will emerge as we follow the Holy Spirit in mission. One thing is sure. The God who designs detours that open doors to new mission is the same God who opens hearts to the message of the gospel. Amen.